Separated by Cosmic Cabinets, Brandon and Logan are broadcasting the Nintendo Stuff Podcast live using their telepathic powers. My name is Brandon, broadcasting from the Breakroom Arcade. If you look to the right of me in the video version, you'll see Logan Welliver sipping a cup of water. Is that right? Yes, sir. And he is so narcissistic that he's drinking out of a cup with the first letter of his own name on it. Okay, quick story. My mother bought us all of these cups. I think they were like Bed Bath & Beyond. You could probably still find the same ones. And she got one for everybody in the family with their with the first letter of their name on there. And the the goal the goal was to um okay, guys, you can only use these cups for water. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't allowed to get other cups because what happens is my family will will get a cup drink out of it set it down forget about it two hours later get another cup and so it was just like this endless cycle of cups people were using and then they get left out and then there'd be too many dishes so this was my mother's attempt uh to curb to curb that and um I don't think it worked very well but (laughs) it was a valiant effort hey i think that's a great idea uh, Dream drop in the set in the chat. He says, "Drinking out of the mug with an L because that's what he's taking when one when, when I one v one him in ultimate." <laughs> you just got challenged. I man. hear that. I hear that. Though, okay. That being said, he's probably right. I love Smash Bros. Right, but I'm not great at Smash Bros. And then I also don't play often enough. Uh, though I have melee, and now that I have roommates. And I will be moving to St. Louis for permanently, for permanently, um, come this next weekend. And when I was in St. Louis at my new apartment uh, this past week, uh, on several occasions, uh, I would play with one of my roommates. We played both Soul Calibur 2 and uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and he creamed me <laughs> just absolutely wiped the floor but then at a certain point i started like picking up and i'm like okay i keep doing this one thing and then he counters it like this and so i see the mistakes that i'm doing so it's really just a matter of like putting the time in because i'm capable of being a good smash player um it's just i'm out of practice so you'll 1v1 me at the beginning when it comes out uh but just give it time Give it time. Yeah, I think you're right, Logan. Uh, I think anybody can get good at Smash with time. Like, uh, Michaela used to never like playing Super Smash Brothers because she really had no sense for the game and couldn't figure it out. And I still remember this experience. We were playing, like, co-op classic mode, at, like, on Smash 4 one time. And just something in her clicked, and she figured something out, and I don't even know how. But at that point, she, like, just wanted to keep playing. She was figuring out how to use Yoshi. She understood yeah. what, you know, what attacks did what and why they did what they did. And uh, ever since, she's just been getting better steadily. Yeah, I I think that happens with um, any, any game that's really well designed can kind of give you that feedback naturally. Uh, and Smash has always been really good about, like, oh, you screwed up. Also, you can't just do smash attacks all the time. You got to use your neutral airs and your side airs, and, um, and so there's just like here's the tool set. Learn to use everything, 
you know, and then just experiment with it a little bit uh, and and play for a bit, uh, examine how you're doing and then sleep on it and come back the next day, you know, and you, sure. you'll, you'll get better. And that's with everything. Right. If you want to learn anything, just you got to put in the time, even if you suck at it, because you're going to suck at it. <laughs> Brawl is like the the time where I really started figuring out how to play Smash Brothers on an elevated level. Uh, I spent a lot of time playing online, despite how bad the online was. But I yeah. was, you know, I was in online forums, going up against people who, you know, like me, like to play competitively, but maybe weren't at that pro level. And I just started picking up on things, and eventually I started learning matchups and advanced techniques and things that the average player couldn't do. And then you right. go to Chicago to play Smash Ultimate, and you win a hat because you're good at Smash Bros. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I was talking to my roommate about you and how good you are at Smash Bros. I mentioned the hats. And I was like, you know, Brandon mentioned that he got good at Smash Bros. in the Brawl era. And one of my thoughts was, like, it, I think partially, like, Brawl is so accessible because it's such a slow game, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's much more strategic, right, in its nature, because you can't, you, every, you're going to see what's coming at you, right, from a mile away. Um, so it, it's, it, so it gives you a little bit more time to think. And when you have a little bit more space and a little bit more patience, it, it's, it's easier to learn. It, so what you're saying, like, falls perfectly in line with how I learned the game, too. Because, uh, you know, you know I main Ike, and mm-hmm. Ike is a slow character. And I played a slow character in an already slow game, which gave me ample time to, like, figure out what I wanted to do when an enemy was approaching me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where my prediction skills kind of came from, just because that's what my entire character is based on. Right. Uh, and then that translated over into Smash 4, which is obviously a, obviously a faster game. And uh, I think I've already seen that that also translated over to Ultimate based on my results from last weekend. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to actually play Ultimate and get a feel for it. Um, and I also can't wait to compare it to Melee uh, in terms of its speed, because obviously I've been playing Melee most uh, recently, uh, and I'll probably play mostly Melee until Ultimate comes out. And then when Ultimate comes out, obviously I'm going to make that switch. Ah, um, but I, I think, I think the, the games right now, from what I've seen from ultimate compared to melee is the speeds are really, really close. Yeah. Uh, that said, I think smash four and ultimate technically run at the same game speed. What yeah. makes ultimate faster is the fact uh, they've done this in a variety of different ways. They cut lag off of a lot of attacks so that you're you're reset quicker after you've used a move and you can attack again. Uh, they there's this controversial thing for people who haven't played Ultimate yet, where like when you get hit really hard, you kind of have a balloon effect. You go really far, really fast, and then you just kind of stop in the air. All your momentum is gone all at once. Um, yeah. And people are upset about that because, oh, it ruins combo potential. But what they're missing out on is the fact that that only happens when a character can't be comboed anyway, even if that didn't happen. The reason that Sakurai did that was to get the players 
back in control of their characters faster and reduce um, the minutes of gameplay where nothing's happening. Right. So they're making the game faster in ways that aren't just running speed and game tempo. Okay. So it it does change the flow of the game. And I also like that because it it can sometimes be really frustrating when you're like, oh, no, I can't control my character right now and there's nothing I can do. Um, and then I, it'll probably make your opponents a little bit more cautious because they know that uh, it's the retaliation is uh, more accessible mm-hmm. in that way, uh, which I fundamentally I like that idea. Uh, I have yet to obviously play it, so I don't know how I'll feel about it once I play it, uh, but I do anticipate that I think it's probably a good addition. That said, you can't take what I say at word because I only got to play six minutes, or not six minutes, six matches worth of Ultimate. Right. Uh, which is two more than most of the people that were there because I ended up in yeah. the finals in my exhibition match. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I've gotten to like talk to you about this since we went to play last week. So I'll re- reiterate a couple things. Um, when you went to Chicago to play Smash Ultimate, after you played your free-for-all, there was two lines, free-for-all and exhibition. You got to go through both. They gave you a wristband for exhibition with with a dedicated time to get in line. It was a really well-run event. I was very impressed. Um, but once you got through the free-for-all line, they gave you these. Oof. A set of exclusive Smash Brothers buttons. Two. When I played Smash 4 at Best Buy for the same exact event, they gave us one button, and that was it. I love buttons. <laughs> Not only that. Obviously, there's the hat, but I showed that off already. If you have a right. My Nintendo account and use the QR check-in feature that has, from what I understand, never been used up until this point, you could walk home with one of these. Oh, man. Smash Brothers Ultimate Battlefield poster with a shiny logo on it. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, so they would just scan the QR code off of your phone for your My Nintendo account to verify that you hadn't gotten one yet, and then they'd send you home with a, with a poster. That's awesome. Yeah, so there was a lot of free stuff available at this uh, event. I had a guy offer me 100 bucks for the hat at, right after I won it. I, I declined, obviously. This is my hat, and right. I won it. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, it's priceless. Like You can't go out and buy that, and almost obviously somebody's willing to sell it, but... If you're if you're good enough at Smash to win that hat, chances are you're like nah, you know. Yeah, I mean this like, is I, more than a hat to me. This is this is like a trophy. I've never won yeah. one before, so I wanted to keep it. Yeah, like I mean, there's any number of like items in your background that I could probably offer you cash money, and you'd be like, I'm. You couldn't offer me any amount of money unless it was like an absurd amount of money, like. Uh, can I give you like a million dollars for like, you know, whatever item. And then you'd be like, oh, that's going to get me out of debt and put me in a much better position. I guess that's worth a million dollars, but who's going to offer you a million dollars, right? (laughs) It would depend on the price, but a lot of that stuff back there is priceless. Like I have, uh, one of the very last club Nintendo platinum member rewards, it was the Super Mario Brothers statue, which featured, like, Mario, Luigi, Toad, Bowser, and whatnot. It came yeah. in a question block box, and uh, that was the first year I was even part of the program. So to, so to get that at the end of the year felt really cool. 
Um, yeah. Same thing with that button set right there. That's also a Platinum Club Nintendo reward. That's the kind of stuff I'm probably never going to part with just because it means a lot to me. Right. Uh, Dream Drop is reminding us uh, they did use the QR code during the uh, Nintendo Switch Summer of Play. He says he got a sick Nintendo water bottle from it. And uh, we have to – I got to remind you guys that, you know, when they first announced that feature on on the Nintendo accounts, um, they specifically mentioned movie theaters and, like, theme parks. So obviously the QR code is going to be used um, at Nintendo movies, such as the Super Mario Brothers animated feature and uh, Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios. So keep that on hand. You're going to get some cool stuff if you keep doing that. Uh so speaking of the Smash news, we should probably talk about the Smash blog. I'm down. I'm down to talk about the Smash blog. So let's go ahead and open that. Scroll okay. down to the bottom. What's our first post? Uh, well, that depends on... Well, what did we talk about last week? I can hardly remember. First post of the week would have been September 16th being Isabel. Okay. Isabel joins the battle from Animal Crossing New Leaf. She uses various trinkets from around the village to battle. Her side special fishing rod not only allows her to snag and bring opponents closer, it can also be used as a recovery move, so like a tether grab. Uh, I I want to talk about briefly the internet's reaction to Isabel being in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, so remember back at E3 when Sakurai was like, everybody's in Smash. Don't worry, your character's not cut. And then he gave us right. Ridley. In the next direct, he gave us five characters, and everyone was happy. Didn't see complaints anywhere. Isabel yeah. gets announced, and the storm has finally arrived. <laughs> People are angry, and I'm angry that they're angry. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know why. People are angry, right? Well, maybe I know why, but it doesn't seem like a very good justification for their anger, right? Um, There's this debate about whether or not a Smash character deserves the spot or not. You look at Isabel and what she means to the Animal Crossing franchise. She's like the face of the series now. Yeah, I mean, obviously she was only in one game. One mainline she was game. Such... Well, right. But, I mean, after that, like, she was just so iconic because she was, like, your point of contact, right? Like, obviously, we always had Tom Nook and so and also Rossetti and, like, a few other characters. But, like, Tom Nook and Rossetti were the big, big iconic characters in the series. Um, and it, it took a moment before, like, obviously, we got Isabel and then she kind of took over that role. You know, she was like, ah, I'm going to help you be like the mayor. Right. And that's that's really significant, significant. Like, thanks. Thanks, Isabel. Like, you're a real pal. You know, she's also kind of the voice of your character, something that you've never had in Animal Crossing. You know, when you want to do something for your town, you go to Isabel and Isabel takes care of it for you. Yeah. So, like, it's perfect to have her and villagers side by side in uh super smash brothers Um, yeah if they were gonna add like any other character other than like like tom nook it would it would be isabel you know um so and yeah i'm very happy and she's not obviously she's not she's not an echo fighter that's Uh, she shares some similarities right she shares a couple neutral moves 
like uh, her dash attack is the same instead of dropping uh like a potted plant she drops a vase um she she does plant with her down b but she doesn't plant a tree she plants a gyroid that then rockets up into the air which i thought was pretty cool obviously the fishing rod is completely unique to her uh and then uh her her up special is essentially the same as villagers where she has balloons but she sits on a swing but you can break the balloons and cause her to fall outside of that she's pretty much her own thing and people are still calling her a semi-clone when she only shares, to my knowledge, two moves of her entire kit. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's she definitely, like, is distinct and obviously different enough to warrant, like, oh, she's not, she's not an Echo fighter. Also, can you believe, like, at all of these years that uh, you have people complaining that there are certain clones that deserve to be their own unique fighters. This is the first time in Smash Brothers history that people are complaining that a newcomer isn't a clone. <laughs> what has our world come to? Thanks I for the subscription. People, people love to complain. I mean, this is just the fact. I mean, if I didn't try so hard to curb a lot of that i mean i complain uh, but i try to complain about things that need (laughs) need well things that matter yeah Yeah. things that i feel like actually need attention um and but when it comes to video games like this is all like this this like okay you're not going to complain about like let's let's actually take all that angst and let's you know put that against um bad monetization practices you know like really uh predatory monetization practices or how about the fact that um working conditions uh in the industry uh tend to be really really poor sakurai is a prime example of that (laughs) yeah well but he's that's it's self-inflicted. Own, yeah, it's self-inflicted. A lot of uh, in the industry is not self-inflicted. I think you could make the argument, though, that in some cases that's part of the problem. Is that uh, Japanese like prideful sense of your work? Um, yeah, and the sense of duty to get the job done. But that's another right. discussion. But it's it's not it's not yeah. Um, but I mean, for some things, it's not you know just specific to Japan or anything. Right. Like that. But we'll get we'll get into that later in the show. Uh, um, going on to the next update, uh, another actually another controversy in, this, in, in Smash for last week is Shovel Knight being an assist trophy. Man, there were some upset people about that. I'm very happy. Yeah, uh, the fact that we got an indie rep in the game at all is incredible. As Roger right? would say, this is big news. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, who is to say I mean, Shovel, Shovel Knight doesn't have, like, a a long legacy right it's it's very he his first game came out a few years ago late in the Wii U life cycle yeah and um obviously the game was really well, well received and they released dlc after dlc and people ate it up one of the few indie uh, developers to really keep on their promises to to deliver over and over again um, yeah I think just just the sheer fact that Shovel Knight is even represented in any form in the game, even if he had just gotten a trophy, that would have been huge. Yeah. So, I mean, as an assist trophy, the fact that he got this model and then they had animations for it and, 
yeah, I mean, this is this is fantastic. And who's so to I, say that, you know, in the future, he doesn't get upgraded? Look at Little Mac. Little Mac started as an assist trophy in Brawl and then was subsequently turned into a character. The same yeah. thing happened to Isabel. There's going to be more Smash games. Yeah, this <laughs> isn't the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, so there's more opportunities. And, and if a character uh, that is this, you know, beloved, beloved, uh, and people are really this passionate about it, well, Sakurai listens to that, uh, and that's that's obvious, you know, with with what he's doing with this game. Um, and I I'd feel I'd feel bad if like this were any other developer, and I felt we were getting like shortchanged, you know, on content. But oh, yeah. that's that's like the uh, this is the opposite of that's, that. That's the antithesis know? of Sakurai as a human, <laughs> right? So. I, I'm just glad he's in the game. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to pull some assist trophies and and shovel knight pops out. And I still need to play those games. Um, yes, well, you the do. game with all the different campaigns. I think it's thirty bucks on the eShop, and you get everything. That's not yeah. a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. So I'll I'll pick it up eventually. I got another retro style game that i just bought that i was anticipating pretty heavily um so i'll probably work through that in a few other games before i decide to pick up on shovel knight i think it also should be noted just how true to the animations in game and his actions are as an assist trophy like that's a one-to-one transfer and that's the sakurai polish you come to know and love right so they did him a service they did him justice it's all good uh but moving on to the next day Uh, It's today's music for September 18th. You can now check out Happy Home Designer, the title theme. Enjoy the arrangement by Kazumi Totaka, a staff member from the original game. So this is like, it's interesting because a a few weeks ago we had that Famitsu column with Sakurai um, specifically talking about music and their approach to music in this game, wanting to get away from some of the slower pieces and and try and have a uniform soundtrack with upbeat songs that uh, are exciting for fans who watch competitive games and also are just a better fit for fighting games in general. Right. And I think this is a a first good example of that with a a game like Animal Crossing, especially Happy Home Designer, and turning its title theme into something that you can get excited about. (laughs) Yeah. No, I really really like... um, I just like Animal Crossing. If you guys watch my reaction, uh, you, you would know that. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I'm still upset. And this is obviously a little off topic, but I'm still upset that Happy Home Designer wasn't just DLC for New Leaf. Yeah. Uh, it's not a very big game on its own. That said, they did take a lot of the features from Happy Home Designer and then add it as DLC free DLC to New Leaf in the Welcome Amiibo yes. update. Yes, it was a welcome addition. Like, just, you know, it used to be like, oh, I have to, like, manually pick everything up and move it around, like, with my character in the home. And that can get pretty tedious if you're trying to be real specific. Uh, but with some of the functionality of Happy Home Designer in the game, it made organizing the house so much better. Um, and it's I not like they took away like the the physicality of moving things around. You can still do that, but uh, this is just much better overall for everyone. 
Right. Uh, I anticipate this will get carried over to the Switch game. Uh, I oh, hope yeah. more features from Happy Home Designer just it get integrated into the series in general. Can we make money by designing homes as like an official yeah. mode? I was even thinking about like what, you know, what are they doing for this game? Because obviously it's been six years since the last mainline game. I have a quick prediction. It's very off topic, but I have a quick prediction okay. that in Animal Crossing for Nintendo Switch, you will be able to design the stores. Like I once see the that. stores come in, you'll be able to rearrange and design them on your own. I could see that. I was thinking um, outside of some heavy online elements that I've mentioned in a previous previous discussion. Um, uh, I think having different kinds of occupations uh, would be interesting. Um, Animal Crossing, even, enter the workforce. Yeah, like like but really like fun stuff that also makes a difference in like how you interact in the world you know or maybe like obviously the per the idea of having like a persistent like online um a persistent online um like town with your friends or maybe a lo location mm -hmm. like maybe like okay maybe up to four friends can live in or have the same like common area and there's like a handful of jobs and things that you have to fill so like if one person already has that job it's like okay man you're speaking my language like you have to get another job man because you can't you can't do this job because there's no positions open no animal crossing already lends itself really well to that idea because there's already so many different types of stores yeah you've got cafes you've got uh, barber shops um, different clothing stores uh, there's so much that they can do with that, and I really hope they go that direction. Yeah, and then, like, okay, they added the mini games in uh, New Leaf from on the uh, island. From what's it called? Oh, you mean the ones that were just in from the get go? Yeah. So, like, okay, what other mini games are we going to have? You can, know, how yeah. are we going to make every not only expanding out to what you can do, but how are we expanding the things that are already there? How are we making them more interactive, more enjoyable? You I'm know? going to need a full cooking mini game, uh, please. I would love that. And I would play it a lot. I can guarantee it. I want to yeah. catch fish, then go to my restaurant and make dishes with the fish I catch. And then and then you can have a shokugeki. With your friends, <laughs> and you can have a cook-off, and you can you can have a panel of judges and everything. And Shokugeki no Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we should probably get back to Smash Brothers. Quick tangent. I'm on it. Oh, wow. That's the best segue ever on this show in the history. Today's stage, on it. <laughs> Ness's hometown has a drugstore in the middle and houses on either side. Watch out for cars entering the stage from the right. They can hit you for 30% damage. I like how they gave that specific. It's going to be 30% damage. Um, so if you can afford that. Sakurai knows the competitive scene wants to know those damage percents on a stage they're never going to play on. <laughs> I um, I played on it the other day. Um, you, you played on it? That wasn't even intentional. I know, but you played on it. I get it. I played on on it. <laughs> um, it was, I played Yoshi and then my roommate played Captain Falcon. Um, I've even talked about him 
doing a podcast with him and he's like we should do a smash specific podcast so slow down man <laughs> um but he he creamed me i got I, I keep getting closer right the more we play the more i'm picking up on like what's happening and i'm getting a little bit better and, and challenging him um uh i i can't emphasize enough how much the lighting engine brings these stages to life and just adds so much depth. It's night and day. <laughs> uh, oh, that man. said, like, um, it's it's a little understated on this stage, but they're trying to kind of capture just the way it looked in Melee. That said, it does look better. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, another classic stage coming back. There's a whole lot of them in Smash Ultimate right now. Uh, and I think they'd be remiss to leave this one out. Yeah, I mean, even talking about just maintaining, like, a certain presence for certain stages, that it was interesting that they're like, okay, we're hardly going to upgrade these, like, N64 stages, you know? They're just kind of, they look like N64 stages. As a deliberate choice, and one that I can respect. And that's not to say that they, you know, they did that for all the N64 stages. You look at Hyrule Castle N64, and that got substantial visual upgrades. Yeah, Josiah in the chat. Man, wow, what a pun. <laughs> uh, moving on, actually, speaking of Josiah, his favorite Smash character, Ganondorf. His new design Ganondorf. matches his appearance in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now he uses his sword for all of his Smash attacks. He's a bit slimmer than he was before, but his Warlock Punch is devastating. For his final Smash, he transforms into Ganon, the Demon King, and quickly charges forward. I love Ganondorf's new design. Uh, I'm obviously like, for those of you who know me, I love and adore Ocarina of Time. Um, that is one of the like formative games in my my gaming life that changed my perspective on what a video game could be. Uh, and I've always seen Ganondorf as a very intimidating villain because they play him up really well in Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. It's a very there's a very like long time from when you first meet him before you see him again. And you see everything that he's done to these people in the seven-year time gap um, when Link grows up. Uh, so I've always thought Ganondorf was a really cool villain. So I'm glad that they're going with this design. It's Gerudo Ganondorf. What more can you ask for? He's got reduced recovery time thanks to the new engine in Smash Ultimate. And on top of that, he's got his sword again. Or for the first time he in Smash. he got a old sword. Yeah. <laughs> They've been teasing us with this sword since Melee. And one of his, but finally, Sakurai. You can know you know Sakurai is listening because this has been a specific request for Ganondorf for a long time, and it finally happened. Yeah, it also sets him apart a little bit more from Captain Falcon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I theorize that's because Captain Falcon will be getting an Echo Fighter in the form of Black Shadow, who will take on Ganondorf's old move set. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. That's I something don't know who I Black would... Shadow is. But uh, I trust you. <laughs> he's the main antagonist of the F-Zero series, which would then okay. fall in line with the Heroes versus Villains theme that we've had. And then also foreshadow a new F-Zero game. I see what you're saying. Yes, that is, what you're saying. that is ultimately <laughs> what I'm getting at. Oh, so many puns We're right firing now. on all cylinders tonight, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited to play Ganondorf. I like playing as Ganondorf as much as Josiah is. Uh, or as, as Josiah does. Um, and, you know, I, 
I noticed that Ganondorf's smash attacks, his new ones, have also been lifted from other characters. His down smash was specifically lifted from Cloud. Like, he holds the sword backwards, goes in front of him, and then behind him. It's just Cloud's mm-hmm. down smash. He also takes Cloud's up smash, where he swings the sword in front of him and upward. And then the forward smash doesn't come from anyone in specific, but it, it is very similar to Ike's forward smash. So while they did polish up Ganondorf and make some new things for him and, you know, address a request that fans have had for a long time, but they also cut some corners in a respectable way. Yeah, and honestly, like, you know, they've done that in a few ways here and there, and I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I mean, I think a lot of other fighting games uh, do this, and with the amount of characters and then some of the similarities of just characters even across franchises... It, it makes sense that they would kind of borrow, you know, from from stuff. Um, it, so. It's a common theme in, like, games, fighting games in particular, with huge rosters to have a lot of characters that share movesets. And honestly, Smash is very impressive in how many characters have unique movesets. So if they yeah. do this here and there, that's fine. They've made Ganondorf more identifiable more actually related to his actual appearance in his actual game. Um, So they're making the right choices. Uh, Thanks for letting me know, Adrian. I've noticed that that's been happening. I'll try and figure out what the issue is. Uh, Next post of the day, and uh, let's see, September 20th is Pikachu. The fierce fighter uses electric moves like Thunder Jolt and Thunder. Pikachu Libre is one of the alternate costumes, and you can tell she's female by the shape of her tail, which is a heart, for those of you who don't know. Oh. Is that true with all Pikachus? Yep, if a Pikachu has a heart-shaped tail, it's a female. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't remember what generation they introduced that in, but they started in they started finding ways to differentiate Pokemon gender, via appearance exclusively. Uh, obviously, they had Nidoran and Nidoran in Generation 1, but that was, like, right. specific to that Pokemon. That was that Pokemon's thing. And now it's just right. kind of a thing in general. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, obviously, that comes with um, just more more polygons, <laughs> more detail that's able to be added, you know, to Pokemon. So... Oh, I figured out what the issue was with the stream. Steam decided to launch itself and start downloading games. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Steam. That's not the first time it's done that either. Uh, but yeah, uh, Pikachu, the whole alternate costume thing that Sakurai focuses on here is something I want to kind of bring to your attention. Uh, over the last week, or maybe it was the week before, Source Gaming discovered on Nintendo's official press website, some character renders that had previously been unrevealed and unannounced for particular characters. They contacted Nintendo, a very respectable thing to do, to make sure it was okay to report on these things. They got the go-ahead from Nintendo, and uh, then they got to reveal a couple new character costumes for some other characters. One for Yoshi, being based on Yoshi's Crafted World, where like he's like all fuzzy and furry. Yes! Super adorable. Uh, you got to see the alternate render for Ike because he's got the Path of Radiance as well as the Radiant Dawn outfits. 
some new updated renders for characters like Palutena and Falco. Um, they just made small adjust- adjustments to their renders, nothing like major. Um, and then like Advent Children Cloud and a few things like that. But the main takeaway here right. is that I, I feel like we're not going to be short on like full-on alternate costumes for a lot of these characters. We got Pikachu Libre with Pikachu, Yoshi's Crafted World, Meta Ridley, um, Alf over Olimar, which obviously comes from Smash 4. But still, I think the point stands that uh, they're they're really pushing that out this time. Yeah. So, I mean, is there any other alternate costumes that you think we'll, we'll see that you think are pretty, like, locks? I don't know about a lock, but I do think there's a good chance we could see Dry Bowser over Bowser. Okay, yes, I can see that. I've seen people suggesting that he could be, like, a, an Echo Fighter, but I think, for me, it makes more sense for that just to be an alt costume. We've got yeah. uh, Galacta Knight over Meta Knight. Uh, he's got, like, the slash down his his mask. Uh, he doesn't have quite have the wings, but for the most part, it's Galacta Knight. Right. Uh... And then uh, there are more. I just can't think of them at the top of my head like this. But uh, you could look. There's a old snake over solid snake, for one, or big boss over snake as well. There's lots of potential all over the place. Yeah. Um. And I also am of the opinion that these will be unlockables over the course of the game. That would be cool. I sometimes I feel like they should just like not give us so much content. <laughs> and like because i like i like the the grind of just unlocking all of like the little things right um not necessarily being like oh we're you can buy you know pay for the dlc of this stuff right but just there's not a lot of games anymore that you play and then you play and then you unlock things that are given certain conditions that you have to meet you know yeah, uh, it's much more rare nowadays, and I I still appreciate that. It's a really cool aspect of of games that I've enjoyed ever since I started gaming. I think unlockable costumes would be a great middle ground. Uh, the tournament scene is frustrated when you have to unlock stuff in Smash Brothers because it uh, it's very difficult to do that for every single setup in a, in the given venue. Um, yeah. So they were very happy to hear that all stages are unlocked at the start. A choice I personally agree with. Um, but you do have to unlock all the roster. Though, yeah. that can also be done with Amiibo, presumably. Yeah. Um, so having something like alternate costumes, which is not game-changing or game-breaking or affecting gameplay in any way, it's a great choice. You think of Overwatch and uh, the loot system in that game, where you occasionally unlock like different sprays, um, different like voice lines for your characters in different costumes... It's just a great way to keep you motivated to keep playing. Um, you can go out to the tournament scene and wear your favorite costume or your favorite character. Yeah. It's the same thing in, like, Rocket League. Like, I still play Rocket League, and every once in a while, I'm just like, oh, here's an item that they're going to throw your way, right? And you can buy loot boxes if you want, you know, just like an Overwatch. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing, like... There's like a few exclusive items, but there's still like plenty to unlock, you know, and yeah. to, to gain. And and like I've gotten so many items in Rocket League, I've gotten really, really into the customization of the, like the cars and stuff like that. I have some very, very like specific um, like paint jobs and 
uh, patterns that I'm like, okay, this looks so cool, right? It's just my car is very unique. Yeah, uh, I also think there's potential for a color palette editor. Probably very be... basic, but uh, it'd be cool to have. And Yeah, uh, could you imagine having like 67 different color palettes for Link? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Just like gradients, like... <laughs> Choose your favorite link color. You have all of yeah. them now. Uh, Adrian in the chat says, Tuxedo Bowser from Odyssey is an alternate skin. We got Wedding Mario, so I think that is a good possibility. Uh, I also thought of one. If you remember the trailer for King K. Rule, Donkey Kong was wearing his boxing gloves at the end. So I think we could have an alt costume with Donkey Kong with his boxing gloves on. Uh, alternate costume for uh, Peach Bowsette. <laughs> Hashtag Bowsette. Don't look that up. Um, <laughs> good lord, the internet over the last few days has been an interesting place. I was so confused at first. I'm like, is this an, a reference to like something that happened in a Mario game or something that Nintendo did? Nope. It's it's fan fiction. Uh, so, <laughs> upon like predicting the end of the world with things like Bowsette, we got the moon assist trophy for the last post. Uh, that was actually posted yesterday, or was that today? Uh, uh, it was yesterday. That's, that was yesterday. So technically, this is bleeding into next week, because obviously right. we, missed, we missed Friday. Um, so, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Uh, this assist trophy will appear in the sky and slowly approach the center of the stage. When it hits, it deals a lot of damage to opponents nearby. <laughs> we saw this in the Nintendo, or the, was it, uh, in the Smash Direct where it pretty much killed everybody on screen except for Shovel Knight. <laughs> Shovel Knight lives! Yeah, like, the picture they got going here, uh, like, the, the second photo, it's, like, covering the entire stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this assist trophy has been a long time coming. Like, this is one of those obvious assist trophies that should have been here already. Right. Like, they were trying to fit them all in, but then they're like, okay, we gotta stop. And then everybody's like, hey, how about this one? It's like, guys, we're done developing the game. You can't add anything else. But we really want this way. We'll wait for the next game. I imagine, like, if you're playing on Great Bay, because uh, the moon is a is a background element on that stage, and it actually gets closer, and then the four giants eventually come and push it back into the sky. I imagine if you pull the moon on the Great Bay stage that the moon that's already in the background will actually just come and try and destroy everything on screen, which would be I, a cool I, detail. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Sakurai. Sakurai does, again, he's attention to detail, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so if that didn't happen, I'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the end of the Smash Blog updates. We spent a little longer this week because we don't have as many things to talk about. and I also uh, No, to... that's just because we have more things to say about the few things that we're going to talk about. That's true. Uh, but that's not the end of the Smash news. Um, there is one, the focus of the episode, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But uh, one thing I want to bring up is uh, Koro Koro Magazine says that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has 108 stages, which is five more than Sakurai said in the Smash Direct uh, last month. It's, it's no surprise to me that there are more stages than 103, because at no point in that direct does he say that there's only 103. He says we're yeah. at 103 now, or we're currently at 103. Um, 
I, I mean, it's obvious that if there's a newcomer from a series that hasn't been represented before, that they would probably be accompanied with a stage, uh, much yep. like Simon Belmont and Richter Belmont, where, you know, they have Dracula's Castle that comes along with them, um, and Inklings with uh, Murray Towers. So this just makes sense. I, I don't even know that 108 stages will be the max. There could be more than that. Uh, if you look at the image of, this, of the stage select screen from the Direct, there were six empty squares... That's not to say that there's six left, because people always jump to that conclusion. But this report from Korokoro Magazine falls in line with that. Uh, I don't remember if the random button was already on the screen, but I imagine the random button could occupy the sixth and final space on the grid. Yeah. Fantastic. I can't wait till they add Star Fox as a character. Yeah, Star Fox is, is a long time coming. You know, we got Fox McCloud in the first game as an original eight, but they never gave us Star Fox himself. I don't know what the problem is. Also, they didn't give us that that one character, Metroid. Yeah, and Metroid... They're missing a lot of really, really significant characters here. Yeah, I'm getting flashbacks to the Miiverse. Why can't Metroid <laughs> crawl? <laughs> um... Okay, so uh, if you see the title of the video, and you probably clicked on it because you wanted to hear about this, uh, over the last couple weeks, um, uh, an individual by the name of Chris Taylor posted on, I think he posted on Reddit as well, but he tweeted out um, that he was worried that he wasn't going to get to play Super Smash Bros. Ultimate um, because he his doctor tells him he's not going to live that long because he's a terminally ill cancer patient uh so he kind of posted out there that uh he was sad and you know that it'd be important to him to get to play the game before he's gone uh he in fact his tweet from september 13 specifically says i'm really scared i won't be able to play ultimate december is a long way away for someone who is already bedridden uh that's a very hurtful thing to read um a lot of the community was uh, was saddened by those words, and then people started signal boosting. You had people like Hungrybox and uh, uh, Alpha Rad, and a lot of the important Smash community members. I think even Etika retweeted it. Um, and this this post got so big that uh, he actually did get to play Ultimate. Nintendo brought the Smash Brothers E3 demo to what I assume was his house based on the pictures and he got to play it exclusively for three hours with him his his best friend his brother and his mother uh just exclusive access to the demo no wait times they can play as much as they want for the three-hour period this is a great story it's a sad story but it's it's great to see that they were willing to to go this far for him yeah I mean this is the thing I I've I've had loved ones die, right? Uh, most of them are like old though. So it's like, it's less sad. It's still sad, but it's, it's less surprising. But when you get somebody that's so young and, and they, they're at the end of their life already, like um, makes me think about my own mortality, but then also thinking about just end of life care. You know, when when somebody's like, "This is it," like you, you're, there's not really any hope for you surviving this. Uh, then it's a matter of like, how can you just 
enjoy the time you have left, right? And I know uh, for a lot of people, like, you know, video games are a huge source of, of joy for people. And and especially when when it's accompanied by playing video games with friends. You know, some of my happiest moments, you know, even in the last few years uh, involve me playing online with friends and having conversation. It's that, it's that community aspect of video games uh, that, that make the medium uh, m- feel more significant than something like movies or books. You know, obviously there's communities around that, but not, not in the way and the interactive um, co-op uh, multiplayer experience that you're getting with, just video games. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's even better to think that like, obviously he didn't just, he didn't, he didn't get to play ultimate. He got to play ultimate with his friends and his family. Right. Yeah. And so this is something that not only that he is going to cherish, you know, going into the final months of his life, but this is going to be something that they'll remember too. Um, I also want to note that like Nintendo could have easily turned this into like a PR stunt. Yeah. And, and they didn't, they didn't announce anything. The only reason we know this happened is because we, the person who it happened to was telling us about it because it wasn't, it wasn't about Nintendo. It was about, it was about him. Uh, And, and I ultimately that's, that's, better PR than trying to turn it into a PR stuff. Yeah, you could you know? spin it that way, but Nintendo but, handled I, this perfectly. Yes. This this is the right way to go about things. Like if if a company did this any differently, then like I'd probably it'd probably be sus. <laughs> and you can you can you can gather that Nintendo would have anticipated the kind of response if they had been public about this. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I also imagine that they have like, uh, like procedures surrounding this, you know, like they know there's an appropriate way of going about this. And so it's like, okay, when these things happen, here's why we go about these. And here are the reasons why we go about these things. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really happy for Chris. Um, I wish, I wish he could be playing ultimate, you know, with all of us, uh, long term, uh, and he probably wishes the same. But, uh, you know, he doesn't really have that option anymore. And this is, this is the best thing. This is like I, I, I definitely got emotional. Like, and and it's I get emotional about a lot of things, right? So I guess it's not really surprising. Um, well, this one really hits home because we're part of this community. Right. Um, we got to see the the community come together and make something special happen. But you also think about how you would feel if you were in that situation yourself. And you, know, yeah. you, you resonate with that. And I think everyone resonated with that, which is why this was able to happen. Um, yeah. I do want to mention I, I had seen some people – tweeting that this isn't the first time nintendo has done something like this for someone 
Right. Um, and I think the fact that I don't remember anything like, like this happening is a good thing. Fantastic. Because it's not, it's not about Nintendo, and it's not about us. This is, this is for those people, you know? And, and they get that experience, uh, and thank God that they get those experiences, you know? And, uh, and that Nintendo is willing to, like, bend rules to allow these things to happen. He does mention um, in a follow-up tweet... Uh, he says that they. He, I found out they were coming around Tuesday, and I couldn't say because even a Switch with a demo on it is a high-value target to be stolen. Same as why I didn't get to keep the demo, though I absolutely expected that. Um, the fact that they had that conversation with him, um, I think, is worth noting. Um, some people could use that as ammo as to say why Nintendo did not publicize this, but... I would like to believe that there there are more reasons for that, like we discussed. Um, and this game doesn't need any more PR, <laughs> right? But there, there's also the the fact that giving him the demo was something that would have actually been under consideration had it not been for the, I guess, the fragileness of the situation and the things that could happen by doing that, or the the possibility of the demo being stolen by someone. Yeah. Um, uh, it would have been cool if he'd gotten to to keep it and you know get to enjoy that um, with friends and family until you know he eventually passes. But it is what it is. He got the three hours, and may- that's not to say this is the only time they'll even do that for him. You know, if depending on timing and what happens, maybe they'll come back with an updated demo, and you'll get to play some newer stuff too. Yeah. But uh, I I just really appreciate the kind of care that Nintendo put into this whole situation. The fact that they would do this at all um, is is really special, I think. They recognize yeah. what these games mean to other people. Um, I don't personally... Obviously, I don't know like who at Nintendo specifically is the person that had to put the stamp of approval on this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like Reggie was involved. Um, right. These kinds of things probably end up at his doorstep because of how volatile the kind of the situation is. You know, yeah. this information can get out, this demo can get stolen, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they made it work, and that's that's really good, and I'm I'm very happy to have seen that happen. So, Chris, uh, our hearts go out to you. Um, we're happy for you, and we wish you the best. Also, to your friends and family as well. Yeah. Keep and us I, updated. Yeah. And I echo everything you just said there. So uh, so we'll move on from Smash Brothers for now. Uh, also, if you want to follow Chris, he's at Spooky Woobler on Twitter. It's a good Twitter tag. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so over the weekend was the first official Splatfest using the brand new Splatfest system. And uh, I got to try it out with Paul. Paul was here over I the played, weekend. I played two matches with my brother. <laughs> Isn't it great that you don't need a team of four anymore? Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. I yeah, I like how they split it up. It's it's no longer dumb. Yeah. You, no, I I agree with how exactly how you put that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It works the way it works in Salmon Run now. You get in a private lobby. You invite your friends, and when you're ready to lobby up with randoms, 
you hit ZL and matchmaking begins. This is exactly how it should have worked the entire time. I would like to see the system come to the basic turf war mode. Yes. Uh, they, I mean, they split it up. You've got normal and pro uh, for different types of ranking um, and different types of matchmaking. Like in the normal mode, you're matched based on your win streak, like how many matches you won in a row. And then in pro, you're, me- you're matched up based on your clout, your total clout, which you win by winning matches that count towards the Splatfest. Um, so if you're looking for a more casual experience and you don't want to, you know, lose 40 times in a row, go play normal. Paul and I did not get wrecked as much as we usually do. Yeah, and you can still do, like, you know, it used to be, like, solo and team. That's all still there. This is, like, it's honestly extra, you know? I Although I believe in pro, you can only do solo. Oh, you can't play with friends in pro? Yeah, I think pro is just solo. So at least it's like across the board. But if you want to play with friends, you can do team and you can do anywhere from two, three, or four people. Uh, Or you can do solo in normal as well. Okay. So I was under the impression that uh, in pro, you would still have to be a full team of four because that would be the more competitive of the two modes. And it would. From what I, I, I clicked on the pro and I'm. I'm pre- if I'm remembering correctly, it's only solo. Okay. Well, despite that, the new way that this works still encourages fairer and more casual play, which is something I think that Splatfests needed, personally. Um, uh-huh. Because, you know, any any other day of the week, we can go and ranked and get our butts handed to us. So it's nice that this is a feature. Speaking of ranked, yeah. I would like to also see this type of matchup work in ranked, because right now you can do in pairs and you can do in fours. But if, you, if you're only three people, I guess you're not playing ranked together. Yeah. Uh, that being said, so the Splatfest was retro versus modern. Yes. Uh, my anticipation was that retro would be the more popular choice. Well, I what's let's, very wrong. What's the actual results, like, point by point? Uh, what? Well, it was 31.17% retro, 68.83% wow. modern. Uh, and then uh, the normal and pro, I mean, it was pretty close. It was only a few percentage points. Uh, but modern swept retro. Yeah, 3-0. and And uh, this was specifically put in place because of how often, like, the popular vote was losing. And at the very first Splatfest, we have a 3-0 and in in favor of modern or in favor of the popular vote. So uh, I think that's a good change, and I think they proved their point right out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, And thankfully, I I chose Modern because I thought it was going to be the less popular one. I chose Modern just because I thought Modern was cooler. You can hate me for that. I didn't have a preference either way. Because it was like Modern or Retro, what do you... Because I... In this sense, I thought this was like a really, really obviously they're all supposed to be subjective, uh, but I had some really strong feelings on a lot, a lot of the other ones. This one, I was like, nah, because when I think retro versus modern, uh, I don't think just like fashion or style, but I also think about music and I think about art, and so like, okay, which is better, retro or modern? And I'm like. It, that, that's so so subjective that it's like 
because I like enjoy a lot of retro stuff and I enjoy a lot of modern stuff. So I just kind of went with whatever I thought was going to benefit me the most. <laughs> uh, and obviously it worked out. This, uh, this, is, this is like one of the few cases where I actually had an opinion. And, you know, yeah. I, I look at stuff. I've been playing the NES Classic games on the Switch Online app. And uh, I played baseball with Paul. And we were just having an awful time. Because baseball is a bad game. The NES game. And uh, that kind of swayed me in the direction of modern. Because I'd always rather play Splatoon 2 than play baseball on NES. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm looking at the... Uh, all of the splat fests that we've had so far. Uh, so to start, they had cake versus ice cream, and uh, I don't think I did, I didn't do that one because I didn't have it at that point. Uh, I did do mayonnaise versus ketchup, and I think I was on team ketchup. Invisibility versus flight. See, some of these are really good because like I like the ones that have a really close split. Uh, yeah. Like, for example, flight versus invis- invisibility was uh, 49% flight, 51% invisibility. And that's like, okay, that's a really good, like, because then it's like, wow, those are both really, really cool. Like, which one do I choose? Um, sci-fi versus fantasy, action versus comedy, sweater, socks, money, love, uh, chicken versus egg, <laughs> then uh, baseball, soccer. Then the three matchups with all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pulp versus No Pulp, Squid versus Octopus, Fork versus Spoon, and finally, where we're at now, Modern versus Retro. We only got like seven or eight Splatfests left total, I think, until we hit our end mark. Yeah. Hopefully they do another Splatfest that kind of... Uh, plays into the plot of Splatoon 3 or some future story like they did with the first game. I still think what that's such the, a cool thing. What was the final one? The final Splatoon? one in Splatoon 1 was Callie versus Marie. I feel like that's that's going to be the same thing that's going to happen Pearl here, Pearl versus obviously. Marina. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Or they could do Squid Sisters versus Off the Hook. I think that poses an even better, like, matchup. Maybe both. Maybe both. Maybe they do one where it's Pearl versus Marina and then Off the Hook versus Squid Sisters. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Uh, So that's it for Splatoon for this week. Uh, Moving on, the Nintendo Switch Online NES emulator has been hacked. (laughs) And people are already playing their own games on it. (laughs) The video I saw had someone playing Kirby's Adventure. Um, This is one of those cases where, you know, hacking the online is not actively hurting other people who are playing online. Uh, So this falls under the category of I don't hate it. (laughs) I don't entirely hate it. Nintendo's going to do everything to try to stop it because then it's like it defeats the purpose of like, okay, we're going to roll these out. But can you play? I'm guessing you can't play online with the, the hacked ones, can you? You would have to have your hack set up identical to the person you're going to play with and nes online is only available between friends as of right now so uh technically it should work uh back in the brawl days we used to play hacked matches online but we'd have to have the exact same hack set up in order for it to work otherwise we'd desync right um so yeah i think (laughs) i don't hate it maybe guys don't do this maybe 
you have if you really want to do this there are other ways you have the uh <laughs> what is it the nes classic just hack that you guys did it already we, we yeah. can be done with this <laughs> that said i do think three games a month rollout is really slow yeah i i wonder if it'll pick up at a certain point i feel like it will um this happens with a lot of online services where it starts off slower and then they begin to pick up pace and i wonder how long they're wanting this to last you know um because i imagine that it won't just be you know um nes games forever at the very least i think we'll get to snes games which is something that was under consideration for switch online to begin with yeah so it's not that they weren't thinking about it Maybe down the line when they raise the price to like $30 a year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that said, we should talk really quickly about our experiences with Switch Online. I'll say um, I played Switch Online NES games with Paul. We were in the same room playing online together just to test it out. And uh, the latency was zero. He was able to play off of my television screen with no input lag. That's incredible. Uh, that could also have have to do with the fact that we were in the same internet connection. I don't know, but still, uh, it worked very well for us. Yeah, I did try to play a little bit of the uh, NES stuff. Uh, we, me and my little brother, he got Switch Online. He didn't realize that the NES games were part of the package. <laughs> um, they are. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I was like. Yeah, man, that's they've been hyping this since like they announced it. Um, so for so we were able to play Mario Kart online, and that worked fine. And we played Rocket League on- online, and that worked fine. Um, he 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 cream. Well, he didn't cream me, but he de- he he beat me in some Mario Kart. I, I'm a little bit rusty. Um, but when we got on the NES stuff his connection was just really bad for whatever reason. Um, so I'm not sure. I think partially because he didn't have a great internet connection. Uh, and then he was sharing that with whoever lives in his uh, current, you know, house that he's living in. So hopefully once he gets better internet, uh, we can try that again. Uh, because I was like, Oh, that's sad. Cause I really, <laughs> I really we started playing uh what was the um, the co-op beat 'em up game Double Dragon? Not Double Dragon cuz that's not co-op. It's two player but not simultaneous. Right. So I'm talking about like true like co-op. There was one of these there's another beat 'em up uh in the list. It's a little bit more generic. Um but it has like true true co-op. We tried playing that and um, that wasn't working out. There very is well. a, sw- a, sw- a switch or a toggle that you can uh, toggle that will lessen the input lag even more. It it didn't help. His connection was just bad. <laughs> okay, now, Paul and I used that, and we were pretty impressed with the results. We were already impressed with the results before we had that on. And I'm not even talking about just playing online. I just mean emulating the games in general was working yeah. fairly well. And I like how poppy and snappy it is. Like, you're just on the menu, you hover over the box art, you press A, and the game's just on. Yep. Just like that. So, no wait times, and I really appreciate that. 
I think overall, the way they have it designed at this point is pretty cool. Uh, I could see myself definitely utilizing these features if they were SNES games and not NES games. Yeah, hopefully they can get those to work in the future because, I mean, there's tons of great co-op games on the SNES. Tons of great co-op games. I just want to play Super Mario Kart, man. Or Turtles in Time. <gasps> Turtles in Time. I will play the heck out of that game. That's like one of my favorite, favorite beat-em-ups on the SNES. Yeah, there's there's so much potential. We just need it to happen. I think the idea of adding online to games that never had it before is so cool. Uh. I, I mean, I just like the way it works. Like, there's no dedicated mode. It is just, like, virtually plugging another controller in and having the other person take care of it. Yeah. So, cool setup. I would like to just see a little bit more out of it. As far as the actual online goes, uh, I have not had any issues with it, but that's because I don't think it's changed. I think it's just what we had. <laughs> yeah. Still works. Maybe they filtered out some of the bad connections since you have to pay for it. <laughs> I would hope so. I just don't want to, you know, disconnect as much in Splatoon, really. Yeah. I've never really had an issue with, like, Mario Kart 8 online. Uh, But Splatoon is the the real glaring, like, you know, outlier. I'm like, oh, no, it just kind of destroyed this whole match. (laughs) I mean, my connectivity issues have been very minimal overall, just with Switch in general. But my internet connection here is fairly decent. And uh, I could attribute it mostly to that. So, definitely room for improvement. I don't. It's not as bad as everyone says it is. As it is, as right. as things are right now. I mean, you're only playing twenty bucks. We're in a group of eight people, and we split the cost, and it came out to like four dollars and some change per person. That's fine for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, that I'm not upset about that at all. When you have to pay like sixty for a whole year on a PS4. Yeah. So, so moving on, we got some new details uh, about Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Just a steady stream of information for these games uh, over the over the weeks. Uh, They talk a little bit about how Pokemon Go integration is going to work. Uh, There will be twenty individual Pokemon Go parks in Fuchsia City. They're essentially like Pokemon boxes. You can dump fifty Pokemon in each one. Um, You can play mini games with them. Uh, to get more candies to level them up and, you know, boost their stats. Uh, you can do that once you have 25 of the same species of Pokemon in the po- Pokemon Go Park at one time. Um, on top of that, they talked a little bit about uh, Legendary Pokemon and the fact that you will actually battle Legendary Pokemon, unlike all of the other Pokemon in Pokemon Let's Go, where you just have a capture encounter. You will battle legendary pokemon for the opportunity to capture them that's how it works in let's go pikachu and eevee um so they're taking kind of the the big feelings the the epicness of a legendary pokemon battle and they're they're keeping that intact here and i think that is a a good choice uh spoiler alert for pokemon red and blue uh after you beat the elite four you have the opportunity to enter the cerulean cave and take on mewtwo I can't imagine just going in the Cerulean Cave at the end of the game and just walking into Mewtwo and then throwing a Pokeball at him. (laughs) Getting to battle him first just feels a lot better. Yeah. 
Uh, Baconator is bringing up something we should talk about as well. Uh, the Pokemon that was leaked in Pokemon Go. Uh, Logan, I don't know if you saw about or saw this. I did. It's like the the, the nut and bolt Pokemon or whatever. With like the body of a ditto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this was accidentally leaked by Pokemon Go or Niantic. And uh, then after the fact, they released them into the wild and gave you dittos for capturing them. The first part of this was a glitch. The second part could have very well been a deliberate decision based on what happened. I have no idea. But either way, I think it's pretty cool. I, I, I would assume that this is the special Pokemon that you encounter in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Uh, the exclusive Pokemon for Gen 8 or whatever it's supposed to be. Right. Uh, so, spoiler, I guess. We know now. It's uh, logged as number 891. And uh, the current Pokedex entry is nowhere near that. It's in the 800s, but it's not quite there. So that might even give you a little insight as to what the Pokedex is going to look like in Pokemon Generation 8. So, interesting little details as far as that all goes. But uh, that's all the Pokemon news for this week. Other than the fact that this game, every time I see more footage, it just looks prettier and prettier. Yeah, I really like Pokemon in HD. (laughs) I hope they take it a little bit, like, a step further for next year's game. I'm sure they will. I mean, this game started development after Pokemon Generation 8, and it's coming out beforehand. So, right. obviously, Gen 8 is going to have a lot more time in the oven. Uh, so, Mario Kart VR has made its de- debut at VR Zone Portal uh, here in the States. This was something that was released in Japan earlier this year, I want to say. I think it utilizes a, an HTC Vive headset. But, essentially, you're playing Mario Kart in VR. It's an experience specifically tailored to that. Uh, and I think that's really cool, and I want to play it. I want to play it, too. Let's go to D.C. <laughs> uh, starting October 1st, Argyle Shift, Mario Kart VR, and Ski Rodeo will be playable at the historic site. I hope that VR arcades become a lot more prominent, because I would go and pay money to have those experiences. Especially Mario Kart. I want to play Mario Kart in VR. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I I imagine that this will spread across the United States over the coming months or even into next year. We have a pretty big arcade in Schaumburg, Illinois. It's pretty close to here. And if it ends up going there, I will make a deliberate trip to go out there and play it. They have the Luigi's Mansion arcade game there. Uh, I don't know if you've played that. That's a really cool experience. Uh, so I've already had a great experience with Nintendo arcade games up to this point. Even though I don't believe they're specifically developed by Nintendo, I'm pretty sure they're outsourced to third parties. Um, but so right. far, it's been good. Uh, so I look forward to being able to play that. Um, another interesting detail, you can now share your digital Switch games across other Switch consoles using your Nintendo Switch account, or actually just your Nintendo account in general. Uh, so I have signed in to my account on my wife's Nintendo Switch, and now she can download all of my digital purchases, something she's been complaining about for a long time. <laughs> Thanks, Nintendo. You got me out of out of that one. 
the yeah. the catch though is that you have to sign into the account to play on it or to play those games and yep. the primary switch cannot be online at the time in order for it to work it'll kick you off similar to the way it works on steam yeah it's a little bit more free on like ps4 right so like technically my ps4 isn't set as my primary console but my sister's ps4 is set as my primary console and so she can play you know all my games um whereas if i don't have an internet connection i can't play my downloadable games (laughs) um but it's not really a huge issue um but yeah i'm i wish that this was included in a more like official capacity like hey, we're actually doing, like, you know, uh, library sharing. Like, it's a, it's an official feature on Steam, right? Uh, whereas the consoles, it's, it's like, technically there. It's like an untold feature. <laughs> right. It's right. there, it's intentional, but they don't want to advertise that. Right. Uh, but it's, it's kind of unavoidable given the account system. Yeah, and I'm glad Nintendo didn't do some kind of backwards way of getting around it. They just kind of let it be. Right. It's not like I'm not going to buy games that I want just because, you know, my friends have them and I can log into their account, right? Yeah. I think we'll be fine. You know, Nintendo's still going to make their money. They're going to be making money because people are paying for the online service now. Yeah. That being said, now that I have the Messenger... You can just log into my Switch account and you can play the messenger there. <laughs> Baconator in the chat says, why does your mic in the back have an umbrella on it? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about this. That's that's a light. <laughs> 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 it might oh, look like a microphone bad. in the image, but that is definitely a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's how I light my face. When we do the show, I got a light there and I have a light here. I'm so excited to be able to afford a lighting kit and a green screen. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. So, I mean, despite that, even now you're, you're lit fairly well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cause I got a lamp right here. See if I cover up. Oh wait, no, you can see all of it, but yeah, <laughs> um, I'm more, I'm just more I'm more excited to get a green screen and be able to do some silly stuff with that. Yeah, no, I think I think what you're capable of in your <laughs> style of humor will be very entertaining once you have that available to you. <laughs> uh, so some interesting news coming news coming out of Platinum Games. Uh, it's not really news, but more of a reassurance. Uh, Hideki Kamiya at a panel said that. Bayonetta 3 development on Nintendo Switch is going very well, and they're excited about their things that they're doing with the game. Uh, And that's an exciting thing to me, because I love Bayonetta 1 and 2, and the games are fairly similar. I mean, they don't do anything drastically different in the second game. So if they are doing something new and exciting in the third game, that's exciting to me. Yeah. Man, it's just another franchise that I'm at to play catch-up with. (laughs) There's, like, too many of those, like, I don't know anything about this. Okay, you got to play the first three or four games in the series. Or if it's Kingdom Hearts, you got to play, like, 17 of them. 
Yeah, I didn't play six Kingdom Hearts games back-to-back over the course of a month. What are you talking about? (laughs) That didn't happen. That wasn't like a hundred and some odd hours of gameplay. (laughs) Yeah. Yo, speaking, I mean, if you're down talking about Bayonetta, because, I mean, there's not... Not a ton to talk about. Not a ton about. Uh, Other games that I might have to play a little bit of catch-up about. Uh, The Phoenix Wright ace attorney trilogy is coming to switch uh and i started playing the first game through an emulator but i it's really hard to play games through an emulator not that it doesn't run it's just it's not my preferred interface kind of cumbersome especially for a ds game yeah uh so i'm very excited this is something that i will definitely pick up because i really I really enjoyed what I played. I'm, I like puzzle games. I like visual novels. Uh, the humor in uh, this game is is pretty grand. Um, Eat your hamburgers, so. Apollo. Those games take place in America in the American versions. <laughs> and they don't do a whole lot to hide the Japan. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm excited that I mean this is also getting released on uh, PS4 and Xbox One and, and I believe Steam, yeah, PC as well. So they're really getting uh, Phoenix Wright out there. Uh, hopefully, probably in anticipation of a new title in the series. I believe that they had made it clear that they were developing Phoenix Wright for Nintendo Switch quite a long time ago. Um. I don't think they were referring to the trilogy because Mm -hmm. they specifically mentioned Switch back then, and this is a multi-platform release. Right. So I I believe that Apollo Apollo 7, uh, Ace Attorney 7 is on the way. Right. And I couldn't be more excited. I do hope, however, that they release a 4, 5, and 6 trilogy on Switch because, uh, I mean, you can play Apollo Justice on your iPhone. You could play it the 3DS remake that they released, I think, last year. Um, but five and six are just 3ds games. I, mean, I I need those on my Switch, please. I am yeah. out of room on my micro SD card in my 3ds, and I don't want to buy a new one. I need a micro SD card for my Switch. <laughs> Been there, done that. Take care of that already. Uh, and then for the last piece of news that you have probably heard about, uh, Telltale Games has shut down. And with it, The Walking Dead Season 3, which was already in progress, has been canceled, uh, according to yeah. US Gamer. Talk about games that I don't feel the need to catch up on because they'll never be finished. Yeah. I mean, I've played Season 1. I was really invested in the game. I thought it was great. The storytelling was really cool. Uh, never got into Season 2. I own it. It's just, uh, it's just a matter of me going back and playing it. Um but I feel less inclined to knowing that the game will never see the end, at least yeah. as of right now. Yeah. So I, I saw a tweet earlier and it was a really ignorant tweet. Well, the, the, it was a screen cap of a tweet and somebody had made like a comment about it, like a really sarcastic comment. I can't remember the comment, but the, the tweet that was sourced like somebody was talking about like oh if they really cared then they'd like 
finish it for free. And I was like, that's not, that's not how things work. No, like, these people did not. this for a living because they were getting paid, which is a really cool thing to get paid to do. You know, if you can get paid to do the things you love, then that's fantastic. Um, and I guess now is the time to really talk about the meat of this whole controversy. Well, controversy. I guess it is controversial. Um, meat of conversation, at least. Yeah. Because, um, obviously, this is something that seems like it could have been avoided but at a certain point it was like too late yeah um just there are certain things that we shouldn't encourage right uh one is working uh really really long hours consistently Right. It's one thing if you stay a few extra hours in any given day or maybe there's one week where you're doing your but you're getting paid overtime and it's, you know, like whatever. It's just for like a, a shorter period of time. Uh, but uh, something that was happening at Telltale was something that tends to happen at sounds like too many studios, any studio doing uh, or practicing like these kind of um, practices, <laughs> uh, it's just this shouldn't this shouldn't be happening, you know. When people are working twenty hour days for weeks on end, you know, not seeing their family and not taking care of themselves because they don't have time to take care of themselves and it's make sure one they of get those things sleep. like one of those things that you see in all kinds of different media and different workforces where like, this is the status quo. This is what you're getting, you're getting yourself into. So why, why change it? It's just the way it is. Well, no, that's, that's, that's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is, this was the case for generally just all work back in the day. I mean, 40 hour work weeks were not a given, you know, workers fought, for 40 hour work weeks because that's that's manageable we do it now and and you can do that and still maintain a healthy lifestyle um specifically like get enough sleep man like yeah. if you're not getting seven to eight hours at, at the very least in, in uh on average um you should probably think about your sleep habits because that's not healthy. It really isn't. It's, no, it isn't. <laughs> um, there's a lot of health issues that can come up from not getting enough sleep and not just getting enough rest and eating well and overworking yourself. If you're sitting at a computer for like that long every day, like that's not that's not good. You know, you should get up at least once an hour and walk around and stretch and do all this other stuff. And so it's just developers are not treated well. And that's not okay. And it's no wonder why, you know, so many people are, you know, starting their own companies and doing indie development uh not that those don't come with their own long hours but then at least it's within your control 
you know yeah it's not like you have a boss breathing down your neck that is like okay we'll keep doing this um and and i hope people in those situations will still take care of themselves but um there is a there is a difference between working long hours uh, of your own accord and working long hours because your job demands it so i think this one comes as quite a blow too because you know they were in the middle of a the third season on The Walking Dead, you know, in a vast restructuring of their game engine, or was it even a brand new game engine? It was a brand. It was their a brand new game engine, and this was the first game that was utilizing it. And so, so imagine like going into work, working on your brand new game that you're excited about, you know, putting an end to the really the game that puts you on the map, and to find out that it's being canceled and you don't work there anymore. Yeah. It did sound like I'm I mean I know the previous CEO had left, right? And the current CEO who's overseeing the closure of the studio sounds like working conditions got a lot better. Yeah. Um and you know, it sounded like everybody was a little bit more positive and uh and that they were making progress but uh, they ran out of money. It just you know? it just came too late. Yeah. Uh, and Josiah in the chat brings up uh, Capcom Vancouver also getting shut down. This happened in the same week, and they're the they're they're the development team behind Dead Rising. Uh, so that you know, it's another development team, a treasured development team, and all those jobs lost. Uh, it's so sad. Like these are things that can be avoided if we take the time to sit down, look at the issues. Um, in the game development industry and the work in, working conditions that we put people through and, uh, you know, actually care about this, the the consequences of these things and do something about it. Yeah. I'm sure the developers that are in these situations are trying to do things, but uh, like Joe, Joe also said, they need to be unionized. Game devs oh, need a union. Because <laughs> they, you know, you need... When when you are working against those who have the cash flow, you know, and who have the control of the money, like you need you need um, you need leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if one person stands up and says, "I'm not doing this," then they're like, "Okay, we're going to replace you." But when you get all these people who are like, "We're all not doing this." You can't be like, we're going to replace you all because then whatever projects you're working on and whatever you're trying to do, it's just, it's all going to fall apart. You know, if you just lose everybody at once. Yeah. I imagine Um, a lot of the developers in these situations are afraid to do anything because they have no protections. Yeah. So unions uh, offer that leverage and and that's why unions are a good thing. You know, people will argue, uh, especially the right wing will argue against unions uh, because there are some unions that will, uh, there are some bad examples of unions, but that doesn't mean all unions are bad. Uh, and so game devs definitely need a union and they need it sooner rather than later to fight for better working conditions. Now that's not to say a union's going to solve every problem too, because you look at the, the SAG-AFTRA union or the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike for voice actors, um, but the voice actors union, you know, they fought for just even remotely reasonable contracts and negotiations for uh, for payment and th- that battle lasted well over a year i think 
Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that it took that long is really sad. So, yeah. you know, once once they're unionized, it's only the start of repairing things. Right. And, and obviously, these are not simple issues. And then after, like, you fix working conditions, you have to, you know, ask, like, okay, how do you maintain um, a good source of revenue? So say, like, because of these working conditions, things don't get done quite as quickly because you're not putting in as many hours which i don't think is necessarily going to be the case because when people are working more reasonable hours they do better work and they make less mistakes Mm -hmm. uh so you'll probably get a more efficient uh team but say it does take longer that's going to cost more money to develop these games uh and then then you have to deal with outside sources uh, you know, things that you don't necessarily have control over. And I obviously won't get into them because those aren't necessarily gaming related. And that's right. what we're here for. Uh, but this is relevant. Um, and I, I agree there needs to be unions uh, and people need to fight for better working conditions. Um, and, and like, you know, there are people who can just up and leave because they have better opportunities. Uh, But some people are either too dedicated to the projects that they're working on. So they don't feel like they want to leave. They want, they have that like commitment to that project or to that company. Yeah. Um, And, but other people. So, I mean, I, I guess as individuals you should always look for better opportunities i know that the writers and creative directors for the first season of the walking dead at telltale they left after that season and they went on to make uh they established uh, two of them established uh camp santos is the development studio and they developed firewatch okay Uh, so they took that that storytelling emphasis uh, and they made their own thing. They wanted to explore what else they could do with that. And they made the game that they wanted to. And then I think also one of those guys who also came from telltale uh, made oxen free, which I've played a good, good bit of. Uh, And same thing. It's a very story driven, like adventure game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're probably going to see a lot of that, because I imagine that a lot of the um, former Telltale employees will find jobs at other studios. You That's know? the hope, at least. Right. Well, there's a lot of studios that are always hiring, you know. And so when you get such a well-respected developer and all of a sudden they close down, well, it's like, okay, let's let's uh, it's a good source for good developers, you know. Uh, so I hope that uh, most of them can find jobs at other development studios that will treat them better uh, and that they'll also still get to work on amazing projects in the future. Uh, Josiah says Gary Witta moved on to do Star Wars after season one as well. Just kind of okay. follow up on your statement there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish nothing but the best for everyone who lost their jobs this week because a whole lot of you did. Um, But like Logan said, uh, our hope is that you can end up with another more stable development team 
hopefully with better working conditions and you can continue to work on projects that make you happy. That's what we want for you. Uh, maybe some of you guys can get together and form an independent game studio, as difficult as that tends to be. Uh, <laughs> you never know what might happen. Uh, I'm sure even if, you, if, even if they just mentioned that they were all at Telltale and they want to continue you know, the passion for those story-driven projects, that they'd get the support of the people behind them. Yeah, they could They could definitely. I could see a group of them just banding together and being like, okay, we're going to make our, make our own games. Uh, and that being said, like, even... I mean, that's how Telltale started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a bunch of developers who, you know, worked at other companies, and then they they started their own studio, and then it grew and it grew and it grew. And, and hopefully... Um, this will be a lesson uh, to those who are looking to start studios as to uh, make better decisions and hopefully stop these kind of things from happening. Uh, Cause it sounds like one of the guys who started the studio uh, was a lot in, in large part uh, responsible for some of the awful practices uh, that are, I would almost say endorsed by the industry. Um, cause it, it doesn't seem like, I don't think you're it, wrong in saying that. Yeah. It just kind of happens all over the place and people are like, Oh, this is how it is. And we're all sitting, this isn't how it should be, you know? So, but I digress. Uh, very quickly, I'll mention some of the other games I played this week before we wrap up. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I've been on a huge kingdom hearts pinch. Uh, I finished up dream drop distance. Then I went and moved on to Kingdom Hearts 2.8, which a lot of people say is a demo for Kingdom Hearts 3. Runs in Unreal Engine 4 and uh, adds some more story to Birth by Sleep's character Aqua, a character that I was told I would love. Turns out they were right. (laughs) Um, Had a great experience with that. The gameplay and it's really fast and fun. A lot more flowy. Uh, like in previous games, whenever you cast like magic, you would get frozen in place. But, uh, in Kingdom Hearts 2.8, when you cast magic, you just kind of hop and skip, throw the magic out and you keep moving. And I, I really liked the way it felt. So I'm feeling pretty good about Kingdom Hearts 3 right now. That said, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 does not run very well, even on my (laughs) PS4 Pro. I think, I think I was fluctuating between like 40 and 60 FPS. I would have rather had just had 30 FPS locked and called it a day. Yeah. The fluctuations were just very irritating, and they disrupted the way the game felt. Um, but uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, at least in uh, according to D- Digital Foundry and uh, from what people have seen and played so far, is a, a lot better. So right. nothing to worry about there, uh, good, if, good, good. what it seems like. Uh, after that, I watched Kingdom Hearts key back cover which is the not a game but it is a movie that is included on the 2.8 collection um that covers the story of the kingdom hearts mobile game that they decided they should make (laughs) and they also decided that that story would be the prequel to the entire series and is information you absolutely have to have for kingdom hearts (laughs) 3 i'm very frustrated by that decision (laughs) Uh, that said, I did like Key Backcover a lot. Uh, it explains a lot about how the world of Kingdom Hearts works, where it came from. But 
it doesn't tell you the whole story. <laughs> you have to still play the mobile game to get the rest of the plot. Oof. <laughs> and there's like 850 missions in that game. Oh my god. And not all of them are even translated in English yet. The last batch doesn't, or I, I wouldn't even say last, the most recent batch won't come out until the day Kingdom Hearts 3 releases. <laughs> That's dumb. Square, why? They did say that there will be a recap video or recap of some kind at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 3 so that you don't have to play through it or go online and watch cutscenes. If, okay. if I were them, I would just make another hour-long feature and just release it online for free. Heck, I would pay $5 to watch it. I just want to know, and I want it to be convenient. <laughs> right. Kingdom Hearts was not convenient until they released all these collections on PS4. Well, and PS3. Um, but good lord. Why? This is just so backwards. I don't know, man. That said, know. I'm enjoying the story, and that is all the more reason why I get frustrated this whole thing. <laughs> Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll do something right, and maybe they'll explain it well enough in Kingdom Hearts 3 that it won't matter in the end. Yeah, yeah. That said, Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out in January, and uh, two months ago, I probably didn't care, and now I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably feel the same in a, in, in a short period of time. I hope so. Uh, I, I have a lot of good things to say about the games i've played in the last month i think there's a reason that i just like barreled through the whole franchise <laughs> i'm still surprised that it happened because i know you're you're a little frustrated at the beginning of kingdom hearts one <laughs> kingdom hearts one is what turned me off of the entire franchise if i if i hadn't gone back i i would not be having this conversation with you right now yeah it's that being said, there are certain things that keep me playing it, right? Uh, the the aesthetic, I like the visuals a lot. The presentation's really good, especially for PS2. Yeah. Um, the original voice actors for a lot of the Disney characters are still there for their roles. You've got uh, um, Jim Cummings is still, what, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. you got the voices of Donald Goofy. Um I believe Mickey, uh, his voice actor, passed away, like, in between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and then the new yeah, Mickey but took do over. do you know how easy it is to impersonate Mickey? I know. There's, like, there's two oh, people oh. playing Mickey at the same time right now. One of them plays him in the cartoons, and the other one plays him in the video games. In fact, they actually, the guy who voices Mickey in the cartoons, they specifically cast another person in the role to emulate the way Walt Disney would play the character in the earlier cartoons. Okay. Which I, I really respect that as a decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good things to say about Kingdom Hearts, and there's a lot of bad things to say about Kingdom Hearts 1. <laughs> uh, I also played some Smash Brothers 4 in, you know anticipation of playing ultimate and then after i got to play ultimate to scratch the itch and that's been a lot of fun and uh, that's really all i've been up to in gaming 
I um, have been bouncing between several games in the past week. Um, I've played a good amount of the first Kingdom Hearts, probably six or seven hours in. Uh, I've been playing Metroid Prime and getting my butt handed to me by the Omega Pirate on several different occasions. I'm still working my way towards actually beating him and working up the courage. That being said, I did not bring my GameCube back with me um, because I didn't really feel the need to, so I'll probably pick up back up on that when I go back to St. Louis for good next week. Um, also on my GameCube, Soul Calibur, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Paper Mario, thousand, The Thousand Year Door, which I've never beaten. So... What? We've had this conversation before, Brandon. I Don't play dumb. No, I'm actually surprised. Like, as much as we talk about Thousand Year Door, I guess I was just under the impression you had beaten it before. No. Nope. I've gotten most of the way through the game. Uh, but... I have not finished. So this is going to be this is going to be it because I've been really good about finishing games as of late. Good. Uh, like, I buy games and I finish them. Right. Uh, God of War, Spider-Man. Um, there's a few others that I haven't finished, but I'm better at finishing games nowadays. Uh, so that'll that'll be fun. Uh, and then I I just bought a game for my switch. About the messenger, which I was like, this looks like a game that I really want to play, and I've been following it for a few months. And I started playing it earlier today, and I really like it so far. It plays really well. I like the visuals a lot, and uh, I'll let you know how I feel about it as I continue to play. It's also very meta. Um, they play a lot with the the humor so far. Good. about just like oh look you died and and this is how you're coming back and there's like a whole justification for it um so it's it's pretty pretty good so far josiah in the chat says finishing games <laughs> greater than buying games yeah uh dream drop says the current kingdom hearts mickey is not good right now I, I don't believe I said that the Kingdom Hearts Mickey was good. I said that the cartoon Mickey was good. <laughs> <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts Mickey does leave a little bit to, uh, to be desired, but it, it's definitely not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we anticipated this would be a short episode, so we decided it should be two hours for you instead. We're like 15 <laughs> minutes shy of two hours long. Yeah, we're about an hour, 45 minutes right now. But we had some pretty important topics to talk about, I think, uh, with uh, Chris in the Smash demo as well as Telltale in Capcom Vancouver. Um, and this is the first time Logan and I have done a just a you and I podcast since, like, the very, very olden days of us doing podcasts before this podcast started. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Paul couldn't be with us today because he was pretty tired. Uh, he was here at my house all weekend and, uh, he had a long trip home. So definitely understandable. So he's probably asleep right now. I wouldn't be surprised. This is why it's great that we have three people as opposed to just two, because we can give people a break. And it's, this uh, is the break nice. room after all. <laughs> Fits it's with all our about... theme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, I guess with all of that in mind, you know, do all the things I always tell you guys to do. You know, if you liked what you saw here, please leave a like on the video. Rate us on podcast sources. Subscribe to the channel to find out what we're doing next. Uh, next Nintendo Stuff podcast will probably be on Friday, so a short gap between this one and the next one. Uh, hopefully some stuff happens in between so we have stuff to talk about. <laughs> That's not to say we're not good at dragging it out, because I think we're pretty decent at that. I'm really good at running my mouth. So. <laughs> That's on my resume. Um, excuse me. Uh <laughs> Yeah, join us in the Discord if you want to keep talking with us, chatting about games, chatting about whatever, really. A uh, link to that is in the description on the YouTube video. Um, and then if you really like what we do here and you want to support us, we do have a, a Patreon account, and you can donate as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's some perks that come with that. You can find all about that in the description. There's a link to the Patreon in there. Um, so if you want to follow me, you can follow me at BabaBabs on Twitter. You can follow Logan at LoggyDubs on Twitter. You can follow us as a collective at Breakroom Arcade. Um, but with all that in mind, we will see you guys on Friday, 7.30 p.m. Central Time for episode 13 of the Nintendo Stuff Podcast. So don't break your backs. Break in the games. But for now, break time's over. It's over! It's over!